Welcome to Working the Word with Jonathan Vorse. Join us now for service already in progress at Lakewood Church of God. Grab your Bibles tonight and turn with me, please, to the book of James chapter 1. James chapter 1. I was laying uh, sometime, I can't remember whether it was yesterday morning or yesterday evening before I went to sleep, and I was talking to the Lord and just having a little conversation with Him. Good place to talk to the Lord is when you're laying on your bed. I mean, the Bible even talks about that, doesn't it? When we lay upon our bed in, in the night watches, the Bible talks about the presence of the Lord. I was laying there upon my bed, and, and the Lord began to speak to me about uh, what He wanted me to teach here tonight. I had something different that I thought I was going to do, but within the last 48 hours, the Lord has changed it. That's why it's so important to be sensitive to the Lord. That's why it's so important to have your ear open to what God has to say and your heart open. And the Lord began to speak to me about a standard. And he said to me, he gave me the scripture in James chapter 1 verse number 27. And we're going to do verses 19 through 27. But there was one particular passage of scripture there that the Lord really poured into me, and it says, keep yourself unspotted from the world. Now, there's a, there's a lot of things, I think, that, you know, we, we, we can say all kinds of things about, well, you know, we don't have this list of do's and don'ts to give our life to Christ, and that's absolutely true. The only thing that saves us is the blood of Jesus, us confessing Him, and the blood of Jesus washes and cleanses us from our sins. But if we want to grow in God and we want to please God and we want to be the kind of people that God can use, then there's a standard we need to maintain. There's a standard we need to uphold. The Word of God teaches us how to live, act, conduct ourselves like a Christian should. It teaches us to do that. And so the watered-down gospel of today that tells you, well, all you have to do is just confess Jesus and that's it that's, that's a watered down version of the gospel of, of the Lord Jesus Christ now we can't work our way into salvation but there are works there are works that come along once we give our life to Christ that teaches us that the Bible teaches us how that we should conduct ourselves and through those works and through the teaching of the Word of God, and through taking that Word and applying it to our light, into our life and our heart, then that is how, now listen to me, that is how we let our light so shine. Because they don't see, they didn't see, chances are, the lost didn't see your salvation prayer. So how are they going to witness Christ in your life? The only way they're going to witness Christ in our life is through our works. How we act, how we talk, how we conduct ourselves, that's how they're going to witness Christ. And so that's how we let our life so shine before, before the lost. The Bible said that they may, listen to this, see your good works and glorify your Father, which is in heaven. And so... The Lord began to deal with me about some of these things and what that really meant. And when that passage of Scripture said to keep ourselves unspotted from the world, so then I began to think about 
some of the things, you know, that, you know, there, there's a list of things in the Scripture. The works of the flesh are manifest, which are these, adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lasciviousness, all this. And the Bible calls them the works of the flesh. And so we've got those lists, right? But then the Bible tells us, keep yourself unspotted from the world. So then I went over to Matthew chapter 6 uh, and verse number 32, where the Bible, the Lord took me there because I was asking, what are the things that spot us? And, and then in Matthew chapter 6 and verse number 32, the Lord took me to that passage where it says, for, all, for after all these things do the Gentiles seek. And Gentiles in Scripture speak of people who are not close to God or people that are non-Jews, which are not part of the family of God. And we know when we give our life to Jesus Christ that we receive the spirit of adoption. So we become part of the family of God. So with all of that said and with that kind of uh, laid out there, this, what I'm going to talk to you about tonight for a few moments is the standard that we're to uphold. And I've just, I just have two passages of Scripture that have quite a few verses in each passage. And I really feel the direction of the Lord to do it like this tonight. So James chapter 1, verses 19 through 27 is where we will begin. It says, Wherefore, my beloved brethren, let every man be swift to hear, slow to speak, and slow to wrath. Verse 20 says this, For the wrath of man worketh not the righteousness of God. Now, when I read that earlier today, last night, I think it was last night or early this morning, when I read that verse 20 where it says, For the wrath of man worketh not the righteousness of God, obviously my mind automatically went to, We are made the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus the day that we give our life to Christ. But it's never really crossed my mind on... What are we going to do with that righteousness? I mean, I, I, I know that we are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus and we live that as a testimony. There's power in that. That's a positioning statement. We are in right standing with God. So that is a positioning statement. But verse 20 kind of gave it a twist that I had never really seen before in the 40 years that I've been preaching. I had never seen this before. It said, for the wrath of man worketh not the righteousness of God. So it dawned on me, I can work my righteousness. I can work my righteousness. You can work your righteousness. The Bible said the wrath of man worketh not the righteousness of God. So if the wrath of man works not the righteousness of God, what will work the righteousness of God? Well, the love of God. It's the opposite of wrath, so it's love. So the love of God works the righteousness of God. So here's, here's the, the mental picture that I'm getting. I'm in right standing with God because God put me there when I gave my life to Jesus. Now through God's love, I need to work that righteousness to be able to achieve things in the Spirit. And so we go on here and the Bible's talking to us. Here, uh, very strong, he's talking to us. Verse number 19, My beloved brethren, let every man be swift to hear, slow to speak, slow to wrath, for the wrath of man worketh not the righteousness of God. So if the Bible says, let every man be swift to hear, 
slow to speak and slow to wrath. And that, that means that's how I work that righteousness. So in other words, I don't get upset real easy. I don't fly off at the mouth all of the time. Because I'm working the righteousness of God. Okay? All of these things, getting upset really easy and, 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 and running at the mouth and, and, and being swift to listen to people talk about others and, and things like that, all of that stuff works contrary to the righteousness of God in my life. And I don't need things working contrary to the righteousness of God in my life. I need righteousness to produce for me. I need my position in God to produce for me. And so I'm going to let the love of God rule the day. And then the Bible goes on, verse number 21 it says, wherefore lay apart all filthiness and superfluity and superfluity of naughtiness and receive with meekness the engrafted word which is able to save your soul. So anything that's filthy, anything that is naughty, I'm supposed to lay that aside. I'm supposed to lay it apart. And I'm supposed to receive the strength of meekness that comes through the engrafted Word of God. Now, what is the engrafted Word? We, I mean, we, we talk about that sometimes and we read that sometimes and we see it. But what does it mean when the Bible says the engrafted Word of God? Well, have you ever seen a plant that was grafted together? The engrafted Word of God is the Word of God that God attaches to you that begins to grow inside of you and you grow into it and you become one with the Word. That's the engrafted Word of God. So the Bible teaches us here. It says, lay apart filthiness, superfluity of naughtiness, and receive with meekness the engrafted Word, the Word that I want to put to you, the Word that I'm trying to put into your life, the Word that I'm trying to make a part of you. And then the Bible said, that Word is able to save my mind, my will, and my emotions. It's able to save your soul. With your spirit, you communicate to God. With your soul, you sense the move of God upon your life. And with your body, you demonstrate the move of God. There is a different anointing upon you than there is on me. There's, an, a different, there's a different anointing on me than there is on you. In case you don't know it yet, there's no one in this church that has the anointing to be the lead pastor of this church except me. Now, I'm not saying that arrogantly. I'm saying that to make a point. You don't want me going into the business that God gave you and saying, scoot over, I'm running this business now. You sure don't want me to do that. You know why? Because the anointing is not on me to do that. It's not on me to do that. In fact, the anointing is not even on me to be in the position that Dr. John is in this church. That's his spot. That's his anointing. That's where God is using him. When we realize our purpose and our place in the body of Christ, then it saves our soul. We quit fighting God. It saves our mind. It saves our will. It, it saves our emotions. When we realize we need each other, it helps, doesn't it? 
I need you to be the best that you can be. I need you to function in maximum anointing in the place where God has you. You need me to function in maximum anointing in the place where God has me. When we do that, then with our spirit... We have unfettered access to the throne of God where God can pour His Spirit and His power and His love into this church and into the community. That's number one. And number two, we can experience the demonstration of God in our soul, our mind, our will, and our emotions. And we can do exploits through the anointing through our body. So then the Bible goes on here and it says, verse 22, Be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving your own selves. You can know it, but if you don't do it, it doesn't doesn't profit anything. Verse 23, For if any be a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like unto a man beholding his natural face in a glass. Okay, let me put it like this, because I felt the prompting of the Holy Spirit to, to dig in here for just a few moments. You can take your car and you can pull it up to the gas pump. And your car can be sitting on empty. And you can sit inside of that car and you can say, the gas that come out of that pump, when I put it in this car, it'll make it run. And you can sit there all day long with that knowledge, but until you get your blessed assurance out of that seat and go to that gas pump and pick up the lever, put it in your tank and go pay for it, then you're not going to receive the benefits of that knowledge. And there's a whole lot of people that come to church on Sunday morning and Wednesday night and they get so full of knowledge. They know how to work faith. They know how to receive from God. They know who they are in God. What are you going to do with that knowledge? Knowing it and living it are two different things. It's not the knowledge that I have that's going to get me into the place where I'm receiving the blessing of God in my life. It's the knowledge plus the action. Not just a hearer, but a doer of that word. And so the Bible says, If any man is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like unto a man beholding his natural face in a glass, which is a mirror. For he beholdeth himself and goeth his way and forgets what manner of man that he was. Verse 25 says this, But whoso looketh into the perfect law of liberty and continueth therein, He being not a forgetful hearer, but a doer of the work, this man shall be blessed in his knowledge. That's not what the Word says, does it? The Word says, this man shall be blessed in his deed. So we have to do it, don't we? We have to do what the Word of God says in order to have the blessing of the Word of God in our life. Verse 26, If any man among you seem to be religious and bridleth not his own tongue, but deceiveth his own heart, this man's religion is vain. Here's what the Word of God says. That's, this, is what, this is what it's talking about. If you constantly run in your mouth about other people, it doesn't matter how much you shout, doesn't matter how much you dance, doesn't matter how much you speak in tongues, doesn't matter all the demonstrations of the Spirit of God that you have, you are nothing but religious. You have no relationship with the Lord. That's what the Word of God is teaching. And let me tell you something. I know that firsthand 
because I have witnessed it over and over and over and over, not just in America, but especially in the country of Jamaica. They will literally march down the street in a parade on their way to church because they want everybody to know, I'm going to church. They'll all dress, some of them, not all of them, but some of them will dress in white and beat their drums and sing their songs and go down the street to go into their church and then they'll open everything up and turn speakers up as loud as they can. I, that would be wonderful if it was evangelistic in nature, but it's not evangelistic in nature, it's condemning in nature. See what I'm saying? And so sometimes there's a lot of people, they, they think that they can just say whatever they want to and then come to church and put on their shout. And just because they can cut a good rug, everybody thinks they're anointed and they're blessed and the blessing of the Lord. Now, now God put that rhythm in you and I, thank God you're using it for Him, but that doesn't make you any more spiritual than the person sitting beside you that's got one tear streaming down their cheek. It's not how loud you shout, it's how you live, church. It's how we live. That's what matters. It's how we live. It's how we live. And so the Bible said, If any man among you seem to be religious and bridles not his own tongue but deceives his own heart, this man's religion is vain. Pure religion and undefiled before God and the Father is this. Visit the fatherless and the widows in their affliction and to keep himself unspotted from the world. Pure religion and undefiled. Undefiled before God. And the Father is this, to visit the fatherless and the widows in their affliction and to keep himself unspotted from the world. Now, here's what I think the Scripture is teaching us. Verse 27. That what God is looking for is the practical type of godliness which takes a compassionate interest in others and attempts to keep their own life clean. That is not a salvation by works, that is discipleship by works. That is living for God. That's doing the works of the Lord. So... The practical outworking, in other words, here's what I've got down here. The practical outworking of the new birth is found in acts of grace and in our walk of separation unto God. Now let's go to Matthew chapter 6. Matthew chapter 6. So we're going to keep ourselves unspotted from the world because we're being separated unto the Lord. Now, Matthew chapter 6. Verses 25 through 33. Therefore I say unto you. Now, now, verse 32. Let's just hit verse 32 real quick like, okay? It says, for after all these things do the Gentiles seek. So we're talking about people that don't know the Lord. Now we're going to... Um, now some of this... Well, well you'll see it. As, it. It'll develop as we go along here. Verse 25. Jesus speaking. Therefore I say unto you. Take no thought for your life what ye shall eat or what ye shall drink, nor yet for your body what ye shall put on. Is not the body, is not the life more than meat and the body than raiment? Now, this is not telling us to not plan for tomorrow. This is not telling us to not plan for our future. What it's telling us is to rely on God, to rely upon the Lord. 
And I know that because in verse number 26, he talks about the fowls of the air. He said, Behold, behold the fowls of the air, for they sow not, neither do they reap nor gather into barns, yet your heavenly Father feedeth them. And then here is the reason I know it's talking about that because of this statement. Are ye not much better than they? So what he's saying is if I take care of the fowls of the air, I'm going to take care of you. And then uh, verse 27, which of you by taking thought can add one cubit unto his stature? That's talking about can a short person be made tall by just thinking about it? I know no, no, no. I heard Jesse Duplantis make the statement once. He said, Jerry Savelle and Jesse Duplantis, you know, they're big buddies. They've been big buddies for years and years and years. And he said, you know, he said, we're both right about the same, right about the same height, except he's got like a quarter of an inch on me. He said, you know, one day, he said, I went and got myself a crew cut so my hair would stand up. And he said, and the next day, Jerry went and got one too and made his stand up. Well, the truth is, it doesn't matter what we say. It doesn't matter what we think. You know, Jeff, you're as tall as you're ever going to be, my friend. I, I'm as tall as I'm ever going to be. You know, sometimes we focus on things that really don't matter. That really don't matter. Now, the women, they kind of have an edge on us. You know, they can go get these four-inch heels. It's amazing to me because, you know, my wife, she's five foot six and, or five foot five and a half, and I'm five foot nine. But she puts some four-inch heels on and gets her hair going, and I'm staring her right straight in the eyeballs. So some Sundays I'm up here and she's right here, and other Sundays she's up here. You know, it's just kind of like that. It, 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 it really don't matter to me. I think she's beautiful no matter what she wears. But the Bible says here... Uh, which of you by taking thought can add one cubit unto his stature? So we're not supposed to worry about things we can't change. This is what this passage of Scripture is saying. And then it goes on and says, Why take ye thought for raiment? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They toil not, neither do they spin. And yet I say unto you that even Solomon in all of his glory was not arrayed like one of these. So he's telling us right here, verse 26, we're not supposed to worry about what we eat. Verse 27, we're not supposed to worry about our height or whether we're tall or short. And verse number 28, the Bible says we're not supposed to worry about what we wear. What we wear. Wherefore, if God... So clothe the grass of the field, which today is and tomorrow is cast in the oven, shall he not much more clothe you, O ye of little faith. So Jesus is talking to them and he's telling them, quit worrying about what you're going to eat. Quit worrying about how tall or how short you are. Quit worrying about what you're going to wear. Quit worrying about all of those things because I'm going to take care of you. If you'll trust me and if you'll believe me, I'll take care of you. So verse 31 goes on and it just clarifies it. Therefore take no thought saying what shall we eat or what shall we drink or wherewithal shall we be clothed. And then verse number 32 is the clincher that we're getting to. It says for after all these things do the Gentiles seek. So in other words, those are the things that people who are not in relationship with God, who do not know God, who do not walk in faith, who, who do not know how to activate faith, who are not working their righteousness. Thank God for that Revelation, those are the things that they worry about. 
So if I'm worrying about what I'm going to eat tomorrow, if I'm worrying about what I'm going to wear tomorrow, if I'm worried about what people think about me, whether I'm too tall or whether I'm too short or thing, if I'm worrying about all of those things, then I'm acting like a lost person. Right? Now, some people say, well, that's just natural. Well, the Bible said that the flesh lusts against the spirit and the spirit against the flesh, and these are contrary the one to the other. They're always fighting and at war with one another. Your flesh will always take you down the road of your five senses. That's where your flesh will take you. But your spirit will make you sensitive to the anointing. Your spirit will make you sensitive to the move of God in our heart and in our life. And where we get in trouble is when we mix them up. That's where we get in trouble. So the standard, which is the bar, the standard that God has for His church is rely on me. Don't call yourself a Christian and live like the world. Over in James, we talked about and, and I read to you out of the scripture how we're supposed to conduct ourselves with our speech. Here in Matthew chapter 6, the Word of God teaches us that we're not supposed to worry about our provision. That the Lord will take care of us. The Gentiles are worried about their provision. They manipulate. They do all kinds of things to try to gain that little extra edge or try to gain that little advantage. That's what the world does. Our advantage is the anointing. Our advantage is the Holy Spirit. Our advantage is the presence of God in our life. And that's the standard by which we live. Lord, I'm not going to worry anymore. I'm not going to worry, Lord. Lord, I'm not going to worry. On Sunday mornings, if there's 150 people here, praise the Lord. If there's 230 people here, praise the Lord. I'm not going to worry. Now that's my life. You take it and put it into your life. When there's more month than money, Lord, I'm not going to worry. Lord, I'm going to trust you. Lord, I'm going to believe you. I'm going to be faithful. I'm still going to pay my tithe. I'm still going to give. I'm going to do what you said to do. In your word, I'm going to position myself. I'm going to work and position myself in that place where the blessing of God can be. In my, I'm making myself available for your blessing, Lord. And that's the standard that we live by. I don't want the Lord looking at me and saying, Oh, ye of little faith. I want Him to say, You have great faith. There's different... The Bible, the Bible teaches us that God has given unto every man the measure of faith. So when you get saved, every person gets the same measure. Now what you do with that measure is totally up to you. You can grow it or you can let it lay dormant. I want, I want to continue to grow my faith. Now, for after all these things the Gentiles seek, and then the Bible said, For your heavenly Father knoweth that ye have need of all these things. So why are you even worrying about it? God knows that you need it. And then here's what the Bible says, that those of us that live by that standard, those of us, here, here's what we do. We seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. Now, let's think about the context of this scripture. When it's talking about things, what's it talking about? It's talking about what I wear. It's talking about what I eat. 
It's talking about my stature. I don't have to worry. The Bible said if I seek first the kingdom of God, the kingdom is, of God is God's system and ways of doing things. I've taught that to you for seven and a half years now. If you seek God's system and God's ways of doing, doing things, then all of these things will be added unto you. So seek first God's system and God's ways of doing things. Seek first God's kingdom. Seek ye first the kingdom of God, and then the Bible says, and His righteousness. And once again, thank the Lord for that revelation, that it is a righteousness that we can work. We're not just made, I should have known that for years, but we're not just, God doesn't just make you something to make you. He didn't do it for His entertainment. God didn't make you righteous for His entertainment. God made you righteous so you could use it. Seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness. So, Lord, how am I going to work this righteousness? I don't, I don't have to go get the right. I'm already made the righteousness of God, but I need to know how to work that righteousness. It's, it's, it's kind of like faith. Got to know how to work faith. Got to know how to work faith in order to get manifestation. Lord, I need to work this right standing with you. I, I, and when I seek how to work this right standing with you, when I, seek to, when I seek to learn how to work the position that you have placed me in, that place of right standing with God, when, when my... When, when the focus of my life and the standard of my life, when my life is to reach that standard where I'm seeking God's system and God's ways of doing things and I'm seeking His righteousness, then the Bible said all of these things that the Gentiles seek, that the Gentiles are after, that the Gentiles are constantly trying to get. You know, the nicer house, the nicer car, better clothes, all this kind of, all that stuff they're trying to get. The Bible said when I seek the kingdom of God and His righteousness, they're just automatically added to me. Now, that's the word. We can believe it or not, but that's the word. And I choose to believe it. I choose to believe it. So my question to you tonight is simply this. What standard are we going to live by? Are we going to live by the standard of the word of God? Are we going to allow God to shape us and make us and mold us and make us into His image and after His likeness? Are we going to work the righteousness that God has given us? Are we going to seek the kingdom of God and His righteousness? Are we going to clean up our walk? Are we going to clean up our talk? Are we going to clean up our thought lives? Are we going to stay unspotted from the world? Is that what we're going to do? So my challenge to you tonight is make a decision. Make a decision. How committed do you want to be? to the call of God upon your life. How committed do we want to be to being a Christian, to being a disciple, a fully developing follower of Jesus Christ? So the Lord spoke this to me and He said, Son, this is my standard. This is my bar. Stay unspotted from the world. Don't do things the way they do it. Don't expect things the way they expect it. We're in the world, but we're not of the world. I said we're in the world, but we're not of the world. That's what the Word of God says, right? So, Lord, I choose to live in love. Lord, I choose to live in forgiveness. Lord, I choose to live totally reliant upon you. Lord, I choose to search out 
ways that I can work this righteousness that you have made me. Lord, I choose to study the kingdom of God, your system and your ways of doing things. Thank you for my salvation. Thank you for Calvary. Thank you for the cross. But I don't want you to die in vain when it comes to me, Lord. I want to take this salvation that you've given me and do something with it. I want to do something with the anointings that you've placed upon my heart and my life. I want to do something with the vision and the passion that you have put inside of me to help other people give their life to Jesus Christ. Lord, I thank you for that. And Lord, we'll do whatever we have to do. Hallelujah. Yes, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you. Yeah. I, I just sense the Lord speaking right now, and, and, it's, and he wanted me to just make this utterance here. He says, so many times my church lives reactive instead of proactive. And he's encouraging us to be more proactive instead of reactive. Hallelujah. Let me give you an example of that. If you go on the church's Facebook page, you're going you're to see now that it says God's e-church. You know why it says that? Because we're trying to tailor things to reach a generation. And we did a study and we talked to some people about what we should do. Part of what we need to do is make it more electronic to reach this generation. And so God's e-church is something that a millennial will look at a whole lot quicker than they will something else. Hallelujah. Proactive instead of reactive. Still Lakewood Church of God. Still the Lakewood Church of God. But when it comes up, it says God's e-church. That's being proactive. That's what God wants us to do. He wants us to be proactive instead of reactive. Let's all stand. Come on. Thank you for joining us on Working the Word. For more information, go to our website at www.suncoast4, and that's the number four, Jesus. TV. You may also write us at 12637 Pony Lane, Hudson, Florida, 34669. Or you may call us at 727-856-1770. Our office hours are Monday through Wednesday, 9 a.m. to 5 p.m., Thursdays, 9 a.m. to 2 p.m. And remember, the Word will work if you work the Word.